Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Jennifer Morrison. Jen has over 11 years of experience as an educator and has received her Master's of Educational Leadership from High Tech High Graduate School of Education in San Diego, California. Jen possesses extensive experience in project-based and experiential learning and design thinking. Jen spent many years teaching middle and high school students, which provided her with a foundational love of learning and a passion for exploration in personal growth. Lead, learning designer, and strategist with Inception U, Jen provides valued leadership, guidance, meaningful connections, and an engaging learning environment. Let's join Jennifer as she chats again with Krista Hill and Renee Matsella. The mic is yours, Jen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. My name is Jen Morrison, and I'm a learning designer. I work with some incredible companies here in Calgary. Uh, Inception U, and I'm now working and supporting Kaizen Educational Services with the building out of their Brain Hub Academy, which I'm really excited about. And uh, today, if you had the pleasure of listening to a podcast a year ago, March 29th, 2022, you would have heard a conversation between myself and two amazing women, uh, Krista Hill and Renee Matsala, uh, in and around all things product, but also just about their journeys professionally. And What I wanted to do uh, with this particular episode is do a check-in with these two. There's been a lot of really amazing things that are happening in their world, uh, you know, on the side of business, but also for them as individuals. And I think it's really important, you know, with these podcasts to make sure that we create space for honest conversation and reflection and uh, and really uh, thinking through how we can continue to improve this ecosystem that we're in uh, here, not just in Calgary, but in Alberta. And all of Canada. So I am going to invite Renee and Krista into the conversation. And what I'm going to do is have Krista introduce Renee first. And Renee, I'll have you introduce Krista. I think it's really fun to do this because you know each other so well. So Krista, I'm going to give you the floor. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. And thank you so much for this opportunity to come back uh, on your podcast. It definitely was uh, our, a standout podcast for us last year. And we sincerely appreciate another uh, opportunity to, to be talking with you. So my name is Krista Hill and I am the co-founder of Tacit Edge Product Leadership along with the incredible Renee Matsala. And for those of you who know her, she is joy in a jar. <laughs> That's how I would describe Renee. And we, we met quite a few years ago uh, as we were working together at Benevity as um, that was a very high growth time for that organization. And we got to be on on the front lines of of scaling an incredible company and moving billions of dollars around the world. And and Renee was uh, really uh, leading the charge on introducing the concepts of diversity, inclusion, and belonging in the workplace with uh, software that would allow companies to bring it in to the day to day lives of uh, the people that were working in their organizations through positive actions. So that work together along with mine on the platform gave us a lot of opportunities to experiment with product and also to experience a lot of things around what it's like to have a product management career as, as women in tech together. And as the years unfolded and we started to observe and things around us, uh, we came together to author content for the first of its kind applied product management course at SAIT to remove barriers to entries for folks um, that want to pivot in. So how could we make that accessible and how can we make it equitable? This has been everything that we've been about for a very long time. And I am very proud to call her my co-founder. So that is Renee. I love the joy in a jar. That should be some of your merch. We need we need that for Tacit Edge. Get some shirts or hats made. What do you think? <laughs> um, Renee, I'm going to invite you in uh, to introduce Krista. Uh, the co-founder of, of Tacit Edge Product Leadership. But uh, yeah, going to give you the floor to, to talk about this amazing woman that you are uh, working with every day. 
Well, if I am joy in a jar, then Krista is zest in a jar. <laughs> we did. So Krista's uniquely zesty. We did this inventory and that was just like standing out. And I see why everywhere she goes, she brings so much energy, enthusiasm, humor. Um, and yeah, she mentioned we had the pleasure of working together at, at Benevity. We learned so much about product and scaling great products, getting adoption um, <clears throat> through so many um, moments of massive growth. And before that, she worked at Getty Images as well. She's owned a rec center as well and run a rec center. That's an interesting history that maybe <laughs> we'll hear one day. Um, and then after Benevi, she went on to Morgan Stanley and was a VP there and made again so many first products of their kind in the world um so yeah chris is just a trailblazer in product management globally so for the two of you i mean i know you've known each other for years now how many years have, have you been working together or, or or been acquainted i think six six or seven yeah at least six or seven now yeah but funny enough, we met many, many, many moons before that in a pastime that we both shared around guitar and dance. So uh, a very, very, very long time ago, uh, I used to be very heavily involved in a motorcycle shop. Again, a very long story, uh, but we used to host flamenco nights. And so I had met Renee when she was getting guitar lessons. And so she seemed really familiar to me. And when we met at Benevity again years later, it took us a long time to trace that back. But we've we've been rotating around each other's fear for for quite some time. That's uh, that's really cool. And and I remember you know you shared this in in different conversations that we've had. Uh, but you've talked about how the both of you felt this pull towards each each other. And I for myself, when I think about you know making connections in industry or you know, building those relationships, to me, that's what I pay particular attention to is those qualities that sometimes might not be super clear in the beginning, but, but it, it's very, um, very tangible for me if, if I'm feeling a pull towards someone or if I'm feeling a push against. And I'm wondering, um, Renee, I'm going to have you share first, like, if you could put into words, like, what are those pieces that you can recall when you met Krista that were sort of like a pull for you? Um, and, uh, and same to you, Chris, I'm just curious if you could identify those qualities in each other. Oh, for sure. Is person her personality and just how much fun we had together. I think that's what any amazing relationship is built on is fun. And, uh, from there, we also just had a killer working relationship. I've never worked with someone who just inspired and we just riff off of each other and we always make each other's ideas and work better. So I think those two things were the first that really stood out and made me realize like, yeah, this, this person's something, she's something different. Yeah. And for me, it was, it's one of those moments of who's in the room when you have a really key moment in your life where something shifts. And I can remember distinctly uh, a meeting that Renee and I were in a room together where she taught me the difference between belonging and fitting in. And I had I realized at that point that I'd done a good chunk of my time in my career and my life fitting in into molds, into systems, into you know what was expected of me to be and how to behave. And then all of a sudden, she defined for me the fact that because I was doing that, I wasn't actually contributing what I had to offer in this world, that I could show up, I could be me. And that would actually be way more valuable than making everyone else around me way more comfortable with who I needed to be. So when I think about that moment in my life and you pay attention to who's in the room when you have those epiphanies, that was always the draw for me to Renee was that she taught me that and just gave me that acceptance. And she didn't even know she did that. I'm quite positive that ideation session was meant for developers to really connect with the product that they were building, but instead it changed my life. And that is forever the reason why, you know, there would be no other person I would do this kind of work with and have this kind of level of trust with in a co-founder relationship as I do with her, because it doesn't matter. I know that however I show up, that acceptance is there and it's valued and it's wanted. 
And that is, that's incredible when you think about the journey that we're on. Uh, well, for those of you that are listening, I'm not going to share the video of, of the podcast, but it's so wonderful to see their faces, you know, to the two of you as you're talking about each other. Um, you know, the journey is never easy. And, uh, you know, a working relationship and starting a business, I can imagine, uh, is, is not easy as well. And at the same time, you have this foundation uh, of your relationship that is so honest and authentic and real. And uh, that is so clear in what you're building uh, with with tacit edge. And so, what I'm wondering if if um, the both of you can share, I just talk me through, um, just so the audience can uh, have a bit of context here. Talk me through the creation of tacit Ed, edge product leadership, uh, and how did you get started, and uh, what what did that specific journey look like? Just getting things off the ground. Uh, either of you can share. Uh, who wants to go first? Yeah, it was um, just over two years ago now. Um, when Krista left Benevity, we she sat me down and <laughs> just said, "We're gonna work together one day. I just know it. When I call, like promise, just promise you'll pick up." And it's like, okay, <laughs> like sure. Um, and yeah, she, she was right. Um, so Chris was yeah doing amazing things at Morgan Stanley. I was, uh, continuing to build and launch products at Benevity and both of us were starting to develop curriculum separately to help product managers learn how to do the job well, because neither of us had a lot of education and we looked around and no one really had education in this. There was no easy education pathway and the cheapest education you could get at the time where you're getting real, real experts was it it would start at 5,000 USD, which is just impossible to afford for most people. Um, so we started, you know, Building our own curriculum, teaching folks at uh, at our respective organizations and and out in the world, and then Sate gave Krista a call and said, "Hey, we're looking for folks to help develop a product management course." And um, Krista said, "Yes, but only if we can use real products, work with real developers." and create a situation and an environment that is as close to the real world as as possible. And that was pure genius. No one has done that. No one was doing that. Um, To my knowledge, I don't think anyone's really doing that um, still today. And it is the number one barrier to folks getting into product management is applied experience with cross-functional teammates. Um, so that's when she called me up because we both had our respective curriculums. We smashed them together um, and and kicked off the first class, did a pilot, and it worked. Um, we started seeing folks getting hired who were normally never couldn't get past even couldn't even get an interview. And then it just kind of built built from there. We added more students, added better content. And then we've just constantly been iterating and experimenting to towards where we are today. Well, so do you have anything you want to add to that particular piece just about the starting and how things were built? Yeah, I think, you know, I can remember really defining moments when we would see the results of our students and read something that they had written to us about how the course had changed the trajectory of their lives. And not just their lives, but their families' lives. And all of a sudden, we were staring at each other just saying, like, we should do this. We should do this for real. Like, we could actually, instead of doing this off the side of our desk, because this is another area of product management that's a real hindrance in the industry, is that everybody's kind of teaching, mentoring, giving a lot of advice right? But it's all off the side of someone's desk. It's not a full-time thing. And so what could we change if we took this on as a mission? And so we sat down and we wrote a vision for how, what would the world look like if we could provide equitable access to standardized, high caliber product management education? What would change, right? What barriers could be removed? How would our lives have been easier 
growing up in this uh, profession, you know, learning from folks that are very self-taught. How much did we have to unlearn to relearn uh, new ways that were way more effective in the role so we could experience joy instead of just anxiety and stress all day, every day? Because that does come up in a lot of our, you know, folks that, that we coach. There is a lot of anxiety around what does good look like because it's not clear. I don't have a benchmark. Everyone is self-taught around me. They're all a little bit different and I'm trying to fit in everywhere, but I fit nowhere. So how can you rediscover the core competencies that make them your own and stand behind them with confidence along with competence so that we can all drop our imposter syndrome that plagues us in this role? So we thought the world could be dramatically changed if we decided to take this on and then made it our mission. What could grow from that? We're not saying we own the practice of product management. We, nobody owns it. It's open source, right? And if you looked at the principles and the fundamentals, there are a lot of things that just make sense, but they are reminders of things that, of things that get in the way that you don't consider because we're human and we don't check all the boxes all the time. We get excited. We make decisions. We get influenced. Things shift, right? But it's a reminder of what the foundational principles are. And then how could we build on that as a community? And then create that baseline for that community to grow and a standard of practice to grow in a way that other professions have. Who was going to do that? We looked around. We were seemingly the only ones that were not only interested in doing it, but we were excited about doing it. And that was the moment where we're like, okay, that's it. We're quitting our jobs. We're doing this. We're product people. We can build a series of products that help real problems out in the world with real people trying to find these careers, we can iterate, we could actually use what we teach to help solve this problem for the industry. It'll take some time for sure. But in just two years, we've come quite a distance in establishing what the core foundational elements could be, getting industry buy-in. And of course, you know, working with great institutions like SATE, we, where we can test content all the time. We can test with our students. They're so generous with their time. You know, we have, we have this great environment here that's almost unique to Alberta, that everyone's a really great collaborator and great supporter of really great ideas. So it is fertile ground for this to be a solution and a path forward that we could create here in Alberta that would, could be used around the world. There's so many things in what you, what you both have just shared that uh, I feel like I could go down a few tangents with like further inquiry. And I think what's really coming up for me um, pretty significantly is just not waiting for permission. Um, you know, seeing opportunities and doing it. And to me, there there is this like really small space, but it feels significant for for people stepping into something new or doing something that they maybe haven't done before. So, you know, for the both of you, I mean, you know, you were working in industry, but have you designed learning before? Maybe sort of off the cuff, but then all of a sudden you're having to step into something, I guess, a little bit more structured because you're building this program, which is amazing. So I can imagine that you both were experiencing, it, I don't know if imposter is the right word, but things coming up for you, you know, things in the shit sandwich, I guess, that sort of emerge unnecessarily. And then the other thing that I found really interesting in what you were talking about was this concept, and I apply this in my work as well, keep it simple, but significant. It doesn't have to be complex. I think when you start with these really simple structures, it creates more space and opportunity for, you know, outcomes and and growth that we couldn't even predict. So I'm just wondering if the both of you have anything to share just on those two pieces of, you know, stepping into something that's new for yourselves and, you know, the feelings that came up for you and creating this new product. And just that, that idea of simplicity and starting simple. Wondering if, if either of you have any thoughts. Well, those are both super um, meaty, meaty topics. But I think starting with, you know, the, the insecurities and the challenges, um, you know, we dove right in to trying something. And of course, you know, you feel that uncertainty and especially as entrepreneurs, so much is uncertain and you just jump in and go for it. Finally enough, the teaching was never a concern. We've both, so Krista taught skating for years. I taught guitar and tutored and 
did all of that. So that came really naturally. And we actually, what lifted our confidence more than anything was doing coaching. So we both took coaching certifications and our coaches with the ICF. And that completely changed our approach because with the coaching mentality, we believe that the mind with the problem has the solution. So we were able to let go of like, oh, am I doing this right? Or am I teaching this right? And it's like, no, it's not about us. It's about our students. It's about what they can achieve. It's about what skills they have, what they can be empowered to do. So a lot of our job is trying to remove their imposter syndrome, helping them and partnering with them to say, no, you do have this. You have the skills to research and learn and try. The only thing that's getting in the way is the fear and the need for perfection. So our entire curriculum and our entire company is really built around empowerment and acknowledging when that fear is there and trying anyways. Yeah. And just naming how we feel, right? What stands in the way of someone contributing in a room? How can we all hold back to hold space for someone else to discover that for themselves so that they can walk through that moment and then do it again in the future? I can think, you know, when we look at our own experience in the professional realm, how much of it was standing on the walls, waiting for permission to come through and share an idea. And so that time to sharing and time to breaking down and, and building that confidence for folks is, is huge in our course. And that's the environment that we create in all of our learnings. And so I think to your point, Jen, it's like it could look from the outside very intimidating to create curriculum, create a classroom environment, we actually didn't really think about that in a way that was stressful. We saw it as an opportunity. How else can we add layer that might be difficult for us to create for them, but will it accelerate their learnings and increase their success rate? And I think when we look at our stats for how many of our folks get hired, you can see that the effort in those layers that we put in that would have been intimidating for us, that maybe if we played it safer and just kept it really simple with, you know, maybe going through a whole bunch of curriculum designers. And of course, we have all that for sure. And we have a lot of, you know, work to make sure that we can assess competency and, and things of that nature. But it's more than that. It's about behaviors. It's about giving people the place where, again, just like how I told that story earlier about where they belong, that they feel like that sense where they could show up and we call it the shitty first draft. They can share a shitty first draft of an idea that they've got in a room and we could just name it that way. And instead of not sharing it because we think it's not perfect, we call it a shitty first draft and we just drop that, you know, air of it having to be perfect. And then we talk about it so that person can get feedback and move forward. These skills in the room are what we need to build the products of the future. We're on the cusp of like huge innovation around AI. We need folks that can speak the truth to one another in a room and quickly. And I think this is really the future of product management. And these are the behaviors and the core competencies that we need to really dig in on above and beyond delivering the product, the how we work with teams cross-functionally and how we can be really effective in this new era that we're walking into, I think is, is critical for our success going forward. Absolutely. It's fascinating to me how, obviously, how quickly things are changing. And on that caveat, like designing learning or creating those learning experiences that can not only keep up with that change, but also can be rooted in these really core principles is so important. So I'm wondering, like to the two of you, and for anybody that's checked out their website and the programs, you know, the way they've designed the program is really rooted in these pillars of Competency. So I'm curious if you can just talk me through what those are. And, and to me, when you're sharing this, I encourage anybody that's listening to remember that anybody can step into this. Product is not just tech. It's not just, you know, the innovation sector per se. Any business, any community, any, any industry needs product, right? So I'm just wondering if you can, as you're listening, just pay attention to those things that you're like, oh, if you're leaning in a little bit more when Kristen and Renee are sharing, that's such a great sign of like, maybe you need to follow that inquiry. But can, can, you, can you talk me through the, the pillars, I guess, with how you've designed your learning experience and why did you 
frame it in that way. Well, gosh, we've got a lot of different pillars. So we've got pillars around like the content itself, which is like the pure foundational product management. So the design thinking as speed to learnings, doing research to learn more about our user before we just, you know, go and build something for a year and find out we even understand the problem. Defining the problem, ideating multiple solutions, not just the first one, trying and prototyping multiple solutions, seeing what works, what what didn't work, and trying to speed up that design thinking process as fast as possible while also having a clearly um, defined and co-created vision and strategy. So these are kind of like the core pillars and of course, being able to measure product success. But there's a lot of content, content out there on these things, but not a lot of great practices happening. So we all know what they are, but what's getting in the way. And that's what we've identified and removed. So we observed that, yeah, folks feel like they need to be perfect before they can do something. In organizations, we're measuring success based on if we hit timelines or not, not if the product solves a problem. We are stopped from trying. We feel shame when we get feedback, where we need to be getting feedback all the time. So we're in a world where we know the right things to do, but our entire world is designed to stop us from doing that. So in our learning experiences, I make them as safe as possible. So you can have courage to try. You have curiosity, critical thinking. You're focused on the best next right step, not all of the steps, because let's get real. We don't know all the steps to solve problems in the world anymore. All the easy problems have been solved. We have to try and learn and constantly iterate. So that's really it. I think the the main pillars for real product success is courage, a sense of excitement and joy, the ability to bring excitement and joy to others so they come along, critical thinking, open openness to learning, and just the desire to dream big. And I'm sure Krista has confidence to add. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that is that concept and that kind of mirage that product management has had as being all-knowing, coming into the room and being all-knowing. And instead, we are walking that right back and saying, what if we were the people in the room that were constantly all learning so that there's nothing that you could tell me about my product that I'm in love with that's going to hurt my feelings because I know that your intention is betterment, right? Every activity and everything around the foundational elements really actually just teaches product managers how to be the person in the room to keep the team close to the problem they're solving so that they can discover and learn faster. And this is the key. And we say this all the time about Agile. Everybody thinks Agile is an expensive framework that you buy. It's a series of coaches you need. But in fact, it's just a measurement of how quickly you're learning and how quickly you're sharing that learning across a team. So it is a mindset. It's not a framework. It's just a mindset. So how can we teach agility and business agility by having product managers with that mindset out in the business, having the same type of conversations with the same outcome mindset and growth mindset that they need to propel the business forward? And how can that be something that the business gets on both sides, not just agile for your development teams, but agile in the business? And that really comes from like product managers that have the confidence to have those conversations with their business partners. Because I really, we see a lot in a lot of our coaching work that, you know, agile is for just the development team, but then the business gets to be, you know, have their budgeting cycle and they get to operate in waterfall and everything's time to money, time to budget, time to delivery. But what if, you know, the world could be different where we had product managers that were able to help teach and bring that mindset of agility into the business more. And that's really what we're doing with our course. That is one of the core pillars of it is that managing up, reaching up into the business when you hit barriers and how to move forward, right? What is the next right step? Only worrying about that one right next step and having the confidence to do it. 
Well, I think it, I think it's brilliant. And I appreciate that share because it's just so it's grounding. It's not a checklist that you're going through. It truly is a mindset. And I really think that, you know, it's so critical to create learning experiences that are rooted in, in these ideas and not so focused on, you know, getting through a checklist and, and saying you, you did this, you know, like it truly seems like you're designing um, and creating experiences for, for the students that are not just about the product. It really is just this personal growth and journey. Um, and I can imagine that so many of their lives have shifted as a result of that. So on that note, like, and I know how many, like how many students have you had go through your programs or your learning? I'm putting you on the spot, but just roughly, like, just curious. I'm just curious. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a good thing you asked. I just uh, was, was doing the stats earlier <laughs> this week. Um, so through the SATE course itself, which is kind of like our, our core, we've had over 100 students go through. We also mm-hmm. teach globally with businesses around the world. And we also teach when our product management students are collaborating with UX students and development students. So um, where we've, uh, so there's also been probably about 100 UX and development students that we've worked with um, in bringing this iterative product mindset to, to their practices. Um, and we've taught, I think, about 200 folks in companies and we've worked with, oh, and we have our free education, which we launched with Alberta Innovates as we want to bring this education to everyone. We think that this mindset helps, can help anyone who's trying to solve problems in their lives or with their products or their business. So we have this free education available on our website and we've had, I think, almost 200 people sign up for that as well. So the, it's starting to spread the, the practice and the mindset. It's, it's the movement is, is spreading. Yeah. Even since we started recording this podcast about a half an hour ago, we've had three people come through our free registration program. We've got a ticker going so that we can see all the activity because we're product people always measuring. (laughs) So, you know, for us to be able to not just offer the course, like depending on where you are in your journey, I know we've talked a lot about the SATE course, which answers the question, how do I become a product manager? And how can I get a job without having built a product? We, we give you that experience in the course. We get to work with a cross-functional team. Maybe that's not your need. Maybe that's not where you are. You know, maybe you're a mid-stage product manager who's stuck and you can't seem to accelerate your career because you don't know where you are and you don't have your own product management brand that you can really cultivate and grow with and you don't have your path forward. We do a ton of that kind of work. And so that, again, these are all courses that, that we create outside of the SATE experience, but for every age and stage of your career, because Renee and I have had every age and stage of this career, we essentially wrote the courses we thought we could have used to help us accelerate faster. And then we pilot them with folks in that same place and we iterate on it. So we take the content, we work it through with them. We get a cohort together and we launched a, an experiment, in fact, about four weeks ago with a professional version of the course for mid-stage product folks who are, again, sort of stuck and not sure what their path forward is in their career. And we don't want them to leave the profession. This is the big fear right now. If people can't get clarity and a clear path forward as to what their career is going to look like in this world with extreme ambiguity, they're going to they're gonna go look for another career and we can't afford for that to happen. We need all the product managers we can get for all the products that are going to be... Again, I talked about the whole concept of what AI is going to do for our lives. There is a whole generation of products right now that are being dreamt up that need product managers. So we need this skill set all over the place. So we don't want people to be leaving the profession, especially when they've been in it for a few years and they have quite a bit to offer, right? Folks coming in. So... You know, depending on where you are, there's a ladder. And the first step on the ladder is our free program, which thanks to Alberta Innovates, we can give the basics of these core fundamentals online for folks for free and they can just do it in their own time. If they're entrepreneurs, this is incredibly important for entrepreneurs to understand and accept that they are the first product manager in their company. They are the closest to the problem. They are the closest to the users. And so if they can really get these skills early, then they know what good looks like when they go to hire their next one. 
right? So that's really the mission here in Alberta right now with the free course is getting into the hands of entrepreneurs, prospective product managers, folks that are pivoting, that are out of work right now, that are under, you know, need scaling up to, to enter tech and are not sure where to get started. So it's easy to get started when it's free. Absolutely. And I, you know, check it out, the, the website, um, tacitedge.ca. Uh, and the the free courses are on there. And I was looking at them recently as well. And it's just so cool. Like it's so neat that, you know, anybody can take them anytime. And there's no box that you have to fit into in terms of a time frame. There's no, you know, checklist you have to meet in order to do the course. I just think there's value in it. So I would encourage, you know, anyone that's listening to check it out. On the on the note of the students, I mean, because you've worked with so many people, and obviously, there's so much ripple effect happening with um, the impact of what you're building and creating, not just the two of you, but in collaboration with everybody that you're working with. I'm wondering if, if either of you or both of you can share what are some really interesting patterns or ahas that you're noticing in the students? I mean, I bet it would be hard to pick out one or two examples because there's probably so many amazing stories and people that you've worked with. But what are the patterns that you're noticing in the students, I guess, that are coming into the program, either where they are at the beginning of their learning and where they get to. Is anything coming to mind that you've noticed or observed in, uh, in the students that you've worked with? Well, absolutely. Um, well, first off, we don't screen um, for fit. And we try and make it as affordable as possible for, the, for when we first started for the first year and a half. We also had funding from Alberta Innovates to find folks who, who needed support um, to take the course financially. So it was, we made it as open and accessible as possible. And what we've found is we've got a lot of incredible people that take our class. And if you stick with it, even through the hard times, uh, we know a lot of our students find it can be pretty stressful because they're working on product problems and they're often closer to the products that they're working on than we are. So they have to come up with the right next steps and that can be really difficult. But if they stick with it, absolutely every single person has been able to demonstrate incredible product management competency. So we believe that anyone can be taught these practices. We've seen it. And in terms of trends with our students and the stories that we see, a lot of our stories are with newcomers to Canada who just thrive in this role because they know what it's like to operate in ambiguity. They've solved hard problems. So when, often when they take our, our course, they're, they're the folks that just excel, dive in, give the first shitty first draft, <laughs> and they go on to have incredible careers. So we've had um, a doctor from Egypt who's credentials weren't recognized. And now she's a product manager at Deloitte. We had a, a woman, uh, she's the, um, she isn't a, a new immigrant, but she came from furniture. She's in the furniture and interior design industry and is now a product manager at Microsoft. Other students were told, um, lots of folks from Nigeria who have incredible in-tech backgrounds. So a lot of our students have been doing fintech work decades before what we're doing here. And we're just starting to do it here in Canada. And they struggle to find jobs. And then a lot of them dive right in, take the class, get their portfolios, get even their own startups started. And they have a inc an incredible impact here in Alberta because they bring their expertise that previously wasn't recognized because it wasn't quote unquote Canadian experience, but that doesn't matter. Their experience is relevant. Their experience is needed. And now we're able to benefit from that experience in Canada. 
It's super exciting to watch. And when you see, you know, because we're measuring the success of our product on their lives. And what we've discovered is the approach that we've taken levels the playing field. So right now we do have um, an industry inequity that was created many, many years ago by hiring practices of hiring internal engineers into this role, which which meant that, you know, over 70% of product managers were white and male. So now if you're a graduate from our course, we've proven that you have an equal shot at getting a job as your closest white male peer. And that in this industry to date is, is unheard of. It, that doesn't exist. So to know that our product is working in a way that we, it's getting the outcome that we are desiring based on our vision for our company. And then we continue to iterate on it for, for whatever reason, if that stops working, then we'll find another way. Um, it's, it's that concept of, you know, embracing the same things that the students are learning, which is like they come here, they are coming to us because they have a problem. They have a problem saying that their experience apparently has a passport. Right. And tech knows no passport. This is craziness, right? It doesn't know any gender identity. It doesn't know anything. Technology is agnostic of all these things. Yet somehow uh, folks, when they're coming to Canada, are painted with a brush where they don't get the opportunity to interview even for, for the majority of jobs that you and I would take for granted that we could just get on a handshake over lunch. Right. So how can we create a level playing field that democratizes access to not just the education, but the network. And that is another uh, great area. I think that even as we're emerging or finding new ways to support students that they're coming to us with, it's like that concept of you're not networking enough. Well, what can that mean? So how can we partner with folks like City, uh, Careers in Technology and Innovation, Sheet Geek, uh, Toast? Like how can we connect with other ecosystem heavy hitters right? To connect them and democratize the network so that after they have the education, they can go into a community that will support them on the rest of their journey because it's not a one and done, right? Education is a component of it, but then we need the community support here where we need these jobs to be to support them getting into these jobs. So I, I feel like it's so exciting to just see the trend being that we had folks come to us that really were facing a lot of barriers into getting into tech because of the legacy of the role being dominated primarily by white men. And now here we are. We've leveled the playing field and we're looking for new ways to just, again, keep it equal for everyone. That's amazing to hear. And I can imagine that most of the students, if not all, when they go through this, this experience with you... Um, they're implementing those ideas in their practice. And so that impact, I can imagine, is just growing and growing and growing. And it doesn't have to... What's been interesting for me, I mean, I broke my leg really badly in the fall, um, as you both know. And by the way, I see you both scooting around on your scooters. Yeah, be be safe <laughs> to the two of you. My scooter, to anybody listening, mine just collapsed on me. It just completely... Anyway, and my leg was... Anyway, so when I see these fabulous ladies rocking their scooters <laughs> with their high heels, Chris, I'm like, be safe. Um, but but it's it's just so... Yeah, sorry, I went on that tangent. But it's, it's um, breaking my leg, ironically, has been a really great reminder of how important these like small incremental changes can be and have been uh, in my life in so many ways, whether it's professionally, whether it's my personal health. Um, and so when I think about, you know, your students stepping out into the program, even those little things over time, it creates massive change. Um, from your perspective, the two of you, like, what have you started to see as some pretty, um, I guess, significant or visible changes in industry as a result of not just the, the learning experience that you're creating, but the students that are coming out. Like, what are you seeing in industry start to change? I mean, you talked about the accessibility a little bit, but are there any other examples of, of impact on business that you're seeing? Yeah, we're starting to see a lot of impact. It feels so cool to, you know, Chris and I will go out into the world and be like, hey, I took your class or hey, you know, hey, my friend took your class and her life has changed forever. And now she's doing this amazing thing. And 
you know, we've had students create startups that got funding. We've had multiple startups created out of the, the out of the course. A lot of our students ended up at um, being the first product managers for some of Calgary's most important up and coming startups and scale ups. Um, and we've just noticed that the level of conversation everywhere we go has just leveled up. It used to be that it was like product management. Isn't that just project management? And it's like, no, no, no. Like, project management's more timeline scope. We're about like problems, outcomes. Um, and, and we work together, but we're not the same. Now the level of conversation has increased and we see our students and folks who we, we, we don't know, we, we haven't talked to directly, talking very critically and intelligently about product problems. And we used to have to really find, dig to find folks having those conversations. Now they're happening everywhere, everywhere, uh, everywhere we go <laughs> around the city, around Alberta, there's these incredible conversations happening. Yeah. And I just think the baseline for awareness of what product is, is growing and which is exciting because it's not a new vocation, right? But here in Alberta, it's, we've had a, a very a legacy way of looking at projects for a really long time. And so now that that lens is starting to shift and people are becoming open to other ways that things could be done, right? That it goes back to that potential. What if we changed, you know, this thing, what other outcome could we have? We're looking to transform and add technology to our economy as a main pillar of what we do here in Alberta. What needs to shift and what are the people we need around us to make that possible? And just to hear and be around that energy so frequently, I find it so exciting to be at these events where people just are running up to us. Like, how can we, you know, use this as like, for example, as a book club, like use your free videos that, you know, in the free course to get my product teams together. And every Friday we get together, we watch videos and it's totally changed the dynamic in our team. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And it's like, just to see the level of creativity that folks are, are using to, again, embrace unlearning a little bit, acknowledging where we come from in this province and how we got things done and look what we built. This province is incredible. Also, we need a playbook for the future. And that means that we have to evolve right? And embrace new roles that can help us get there. And that, you know, that as Renee alluded to that healthy tension between understanding project management and product management. And I think it's only because they sound so similar. That's why we always get lumped together. And I know that that's easy to do, but honestly, it's, there's roles for everyone in the future, but you know, ultimately product management is, is going to be at the forefront of a lot of innovation. So the quicker we can again, create this group of folks that has this acumen in our province that is a pool for us all to draw from, that everyone has access to, not just the super elite or enterprise organizations that it could go down market from startup to mid-stage, you know, as people are growing to make sure that these roles are accessible for companies to have, the speed to which we could accelerate in this province would be incredible. Right. So it's, it's really exciting to be around that thinking and to see that people see it. It's not just us. Like on the inside, Renee and I used to walk around with this whole thing. Like we know so much about what's about to happen next. And it's so exciting to us. And people are like, Oh, you have so much energy around this. Like what, what fuels you? And it's like the excitement about the future. And now people are really grasping, especially with like how everyone's conversation around their dinner table changes, changed with Chad GPT. Right. For, for a lot of folks, that was the first time they got to see the glimpse into the thing that Renee and I are excited about every single day, right? So that, that way that we can connect our, our passion and our energy for this towards something that people now can tangibly start to see for themselves is really the biggest shift that I'm seeing around us at these events right now. I totally agree. And it's, and it's, this is what we've observed, but also the whole ecosystem in Alberta is has just elevated and it's the ecosystem we have here we all have the same principles of learning and openness trying experimenting supporting lifting each other up 
Um, so I, it's just such an exciting time to be here in Alberta. So for the, the two of you, I mean, this has been a journey, not just with Tacit Edge, but, you know, your entire career. Um, this last year, from my perspective, as an observer, it's been really exciting and fascinating and inspiring to watch the two of you uh, with not just this thing that you're building um, and this impact that you're having, but just personally, because we're friends. And, you know, I it's been really neat for me uh, to see, you know, anything that is sharing your work, whether it's on LinkedIn, articles, interviews. Uh, I, I'm really proud of the both of you. Um, not surprised uh, that you're doing it, uh, but it's been really, really amazing uh, to see to see all of this happening. And I'm wondering if the two of you can share as individuals, okay? So kind of pull back a little bit from tacit a bit. Um, can can the both of you share just for yourself personally? What is a major challenge? That you've had this year uh, that you're willing to share, uh, whether it's personal or professional, and then what are what what are some wins that you've had? Uh, I'm just curious because really think that in the context of all of this conversation, we all need to remember that we're human um, and um, that we are all navigating uh, a story, a journey with a lot of layers. So if you feel comfortable, uh, Krista, I'm going to have you share first. Um, what's a challenge in the last year that you've had to navigate? And then what a, what's a win that you'd like to share? I can see Renee just smiling right now because that list is kind of long. I have a pretty exciting life at home. <laughs> um, I'm very high functioning on the able to juggle lots of things going on at once. I think if there was an award for that, I, I'm pretty sure I could I could be nominated. We, I mean, my family life and for those who know me really well knows how much my family life means to me. And so, you know, I moved my mom in with me uh, last year, which was a huge shift in, in our lives and one of the best moves I could have ever made uh, around what it looks like to care for your parents as you're getting older and, and make sure you're getting great time with them and sharing the experience of life without having to worry about pandemics and, you know, things that can go on in the outside world. What could we create here in, in our home? And, you know, there was challenges <laughs> moving into our home. I did share a story on LinkedIn, um, you know, just about the uncertainty of, of home ownership and how things can get really scary really fast if you don't have the right support. And again, the people, the strength of, of my network is incredible. Like I've never appreciated uh, how many people are around us every day that are just showing up at just the right time to help us with the next big idea that we've got and the next risk we want to take. And that has been a profound lesson over and over and over that every single challenge that shows up in my home, there is a person that shows up in the network just in time to say to us, go for it, do it. You're on the right track. This looks scary. Totally get it. It's okay. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. And I think, you know, there's been tons of things that I could talk about <laughs> that has like gone wrong. Um, but again, again, all of our lives are messy. Everyone has things at home that they're working on. No one person is has the perfect life. And I think what is helps us through, even just for myself, is just the pure joy that we get from this work. And the outcomes and because we measure what we do, how we're so close to the problems that we're solving, we get to be encouraged and inspired by the work that we're doing. So it doesn't feel like work. It feels like we're actually doing something that is very meaningful, which is unlike anything I've ever done in any iteration of my life before uh, Renee and I took this on. So that I think is the key to navigating all the ambiguity and all the things around entrepreneurship and the scary decisions that you make day to day around your finances. And, you know, I was always told that being an entrepreneur was the most irresponsible path I could take as a single parent. I respectfully disagree. I feel that I've made companies billions of dollars over the years. And if I can do it for them, surely. I can provide for my family. So I think that narrative around the uncertainty of entrepreneurship needs to really be thoughtfully considered, especially with women, 
that let's not say that because you have a family, you need to put a bubble around what your day job looks like and how much challenge you're willing to take on because nobody knows what your capacity is for that challenge. You don't know yourself until you're in it. And if you're experiencing pure joy while you're going through it, it's not something that is going to drag you down and, and destroy your family. If anything, it brings out the very best in you. And I can, and Renee and I joke about this all the time that, you know, 2022 and 2023 was like the self-actualization years for us going through education, completely transforming our concept around coaching with the exploration, with the work we did with the ICF. I mean, it was, it was a total teardown and a rebuild of who we were as people and as partners. And we did it together amongst everything else that everyone saw we were working on in social media. And so that I think of all the things that I could take away from last year, yes, all the challenges for sure. But knowing that we are exactly where we should be. We are, we belong exactly in this spot doing this work. We are perfect for it. And when we're not perfect, we're on our way to learning something new that allows us to self-actualize even more. You know, I think that is the biggest takeaway. So no, there's not one particular thing, but there is a sentiment that I have that I carry with me every day when I get out of bed. And that is you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Renee, your turn. <laughs> I'm just curious, like for you, I mean, and again, Krista, that's so true about, I mean, you, it's not just one thing. And I, I, I laughed when you're like, you know, the award for <laughs> the challenges. I mean. I, I have a surprise for you. I, no, I don't have an award, but it's, but I can make one for you. Um, but, but that's so true. I mean, Renee, how about you? I mean, you can talk about one specific thing that comes to mind or you can share just a, an overall, I guess, summary, but you know, what are some challenges or challenge or a challenge you've experienced in the last year? And then what are, what's a win, um, you know, for you individually? Yeah. You know, I think it relates to, what Krista said, it's like all the stories we hear about entrepreneurship and all of the, everything you see out there is, oh, it's so difficult. It's so uncertain. You're going to be like going into debt. You're going to be working 80 hours a week. You're going to be doing this. You're going to be doing that. And some of it is true, but I'd say the only thing that I think is true if you like a lot of those things can be true if you allow it to be. If you're not setting good boundaries and knowing yourself and holding the people that you work with and support you close. And if you let yourself get too much into your head and listening to what the world says about entrepreneurship, I never saw myself being an entrepreneur. And I think that now it's very clear that we're right in the middle and the thick of it. And there is uncertainty, certainly, that comes with that. You know, the nine to five, it removes a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. We're at this place from this time to this time. We get our check on this day and then <laughs> we, get, we pay our taxes at this time. So there's a structure there that can reduce some anxiety for folks like, like me, I struggle with anxiety. And it's been a learning that everything is really uncertain. Even that paycheck and that time, if you're in the nine to five is, is uncertain and just acknowledging that and realizing that I'm not necessarily in any less certain of a position I am now as an entrepreneur as I was when I was working nine to five. I think that has been the biggest learning because when that you do take away those kind of bumpers, let's call them, that traditional employment gives you. And then you start to question, well, wait, what is actually true? All the stuff I've heard, what's, what's real? What's real for me? And you do have a lot more control, a lot more freedom than you think. So for sure, the biggest struggle, biggest learning for me the past year is, okay, I'm feeling uncertainty right now. What of this is real? What is this? What of this do I have to try to do something about? And what of it do I just have to let go and be in the moment? So that has certainly been a challenge and it's, it's ongoing, but you know, like, like Krista said, every time we're like, Oh, we're not sure. 
something else happens that's like, no, you are on the right track. And because we follow our own teachings around trying small experiments, failing small all the time, we're constantly testing and learning. So when you're seeing small little mini failures all the time, and then you're the bumpers that society gives you are there. Sometimes you can get into the, into your head. And that's exactly what we try to teach our students, that that uncertainty is there no matter what. So just live into it. And this is the path forward. Take the learnings and look for the signs that tell you that, yes, you are on the right path. So similar to Krista, no real specific one. I think the big one is just that every time there's been a, oh my gosh, What's going to happen? There's been something that comes along at the exact right time that says, no, you're on the right path and this is where you're going. To the both of you for sharing that, you know, I think a big part of both of those pieces, whether it's the challenges or the wins, whatever you want to call it, is just the ability to listen and listen intently and to tap into that inner knowing. My friend Jill Drader talks a lot about that, this inner knowing that is within all of us. And I think for many of us out there, including myself, it's easy to either ignore <laughs> that and, you know, look externally for, you know, validation or affirmation. But, but looking within, I think, is, is really key. And to the both of you, I see you doing that and actively engaging in that mindset. You know, just, just to wrap it up, I mean, this conversation could go on so much longer. And I'm really grateful that you've both taken the time to to connect with me today and then also to share all of this with the audience. I'm wondering, I'm just going to give you a prompt and I would love for the both of you to finish it. Either could go first. The prompt is what I know to be true is. That I have the co-founder that will stand by me no matter what, no matter what comes up, no matter what happens, I have the right people. Oh man, you're going to make me dare. Yeah. That's it. Not much in life is certain, but I know I can count on, I know I can count on Krista. I know I can count on my family. I know I can count on my friends and that's worth more than any bumper (laughs) that can be created. Thank you to the two of you. And, and it's, it's so important for us to have honest conversation and to share uh, for anyone that's listening, I would encourage you to, you know, take a few deep breaths and uh, just check in with yourself and also connect with Renee and Krista. You know, reach out on LinkedIn, check out what Tacit Edge is doing. If you see someone whizzing by on a scooter in heels, it's probably one of them uh, whizzing by around downtown Calgary. But, you know, these two women, I've, I feel like I've had, you know... It's been such a pleasure to have you in my life and to be learning with and from you and uh, to be aligned with two women that are carving this path that isn't defined and it's uncertain, but you're navigating it and you're doing it is, is inspiring. It's real, it's vulnerable, and it's, it's authentic. And from, from my perspective, it's having such a significant impact. And I congratulate the two of you on what you're doing and building. And you know, to anybody that's had the chance to learn you know, with Renee and Krista and the programs that they've created, you know, I celebrate you as well for stepping in and taking the risk, I guess, in a sense, and, and carving a new path for yourself. So thank you, ladies. Is there anything just final that you want to share before we wrap it up? I know we're, we're just over an hour now, but uh, any final thoughts to the two of you before we close it up? Oh, I just wanted to reiterate and tell everybody, I know things look uncertain out there right now in the job market, but hang in there. There's so much shifting and moving under our feet. It's going to shift yet again. Get all the education that you need right now to make sure you are so diversified in what you're doing. If there's an opportunity to pick up and augment what you have with the product mindset, go get it. It's free. Come find it on our website. If you know anybody who's an entrepreneur who needs some support or just someone who's super willing to take a risk and and build a business... You know, all the things that we teach and just the minds we've got really help us navigate really hard times and it can it can help you too as well. So come find us. We're super accessible. You can get us on LinkedIn. You see us at events. Come up and say hi. You can't miss us. And we're happy to talk to anybody about A, what any of this means and if product is for you or even if it's not for you and you just want to have a great chat with us. We are super... We're here for that too. So 
thank you to everyone in this incredible ecosystem that we work with every day. And Jen, thank you so much for having us on and checking in. I can't believe it's been a year since we talked last. And uh, we'll see everybody. We'll see everybody on the pathway or platform or wherever we'll be running into you all. All right. So thank you everyone for, for taking the time to listen. Again, reach out to Renee and Krista on all social channels. Also myself, you're always welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, yeah, just make the most of your day, everybody. Um, and uh, make sure that you're building relationships, connecting with people that you feel alignment with and just start. Just start, learn by doing and stepping into it, even if it seems uncertain. So thanks again, ladies. And to, to all of you out there, have a fantastic day. And uh, yeah, hug someone you love. All right. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. Going beyond creating custom software solutions, NIM is dedicated to making a positive impact on society, providing opportunities for new software developers to gain real-world experience and contribute to meaningful projects. You get quality, affordable solutions at the same time you're supporting the growth and development of the next generation of skilled talent. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>